Hi, my name's Ralph. I'm Gloria. Uh, we're presenting another episode of Gone Clear, our podcast. In this podcast, we're going to discuss two pieces of work that uh, neither of us have read before. Um, so the other is new to the other person. And the first is um, a poem by June Jordan called Fragments from a Parable. And the second is an extract from Three Steps on the Ladder of Writing by Ellen Sizu. So we're going to read those first and then have a little bit of a chat about where where they've taken us. Enjoy. Um, This is a poem written by the American poet June Jordan, um, published in 1974. Um, It's a long and mainly prose poem. It's called Fragments from a Parable. Paul was Saul. Saul got on the road and the road and somebody else changed him into somebody else on the road. The worst is not knowing if I do take somebody's word on it means I don't know and you have to believe if you just don't know. How do I dare stand as still as I am standing? Arrows create me and I despise directions. I am no wish. After the lunging still, myself is no sanctuary. Birds feed and fly inside me, shattering the sudden spell of my desiring and the accidental conquest. Eyeless wings will twist and sting the tree of my remaining like the wind. Always there is not knowing, not knowing everything of myself and having to take whoever you are at your word about me. I am she. And this is my story of her. The story is properly yours to tell. You have created her, but carelessly. As large as a person, she nevertheless learns why she walks and the aim of her gaze and the force of her breath from you who coax her to solve independently the mystery of your making, herself. Your patterns deny parenthood, deny every connection, suggesting connection, a consequence. She cannot discover how she began nor how she may begin. She seeks the authority of birth, her fails. Launched or spinning politely, she fails to become herself as you allow her a specialty unless you allow her a specialty she will accept as her reason for being. Perhaps you allow her a skill like mercy or torment. The particular means nothing. Your approval matters like life and death. She is who I am. I am. My name is me. I am what you call black. Only I am still. Arrest me. Arrest me, any one or thing. If you arrest me, I am yours. I am yours ready for murder, or am I yours ready to expose any closed vein? Which is not important. Am I matter to you? Does it? You will try when. But now I am never under arrest. Meanwhile, that slit allows me concentration on the bricks black between the windows. I am one of those suffering frozen to the perpetual corrosion of me. Where is the stillness that means? Here I am holding a pen with two fingers of frenzy, of stream, of retreat, of connection and neurons. Supposedly there is synapse between things like this. A difference between, beyond, beneath, illusions. At at least a space without pulse, without illusion. Only I am still. Only I am remaining. I repeat, I am not still. I repeat, arrest me. You would say mine is a monotone if I could keep my tongue in my fist and my fist in my mouth and my mouth in a glass and that glass in my eyes. But monotony resonates. 
that would prove how merely am I a complica uncomplicated position or riveted respectably with foot to the ground ignoring the drum and the furnace the seeds and the water then could I say I am still pretending to be still but that complicated position is not I was simply conceived by something like love I was simply conceived during the war my mother was the most beautiful woman in the world my father was a macrosperm of lust for that woman painfully asleep on the battlefield. This lust, this loving uncertainty seized 300 soldiers who paused at her silence as she lay. They made their rabid inquiry and left her. For almost a year she wandered. For almost a year she wandered with a great song of hatred troubling her lips. She became deranged, an idiot, and everyone adored my mother. Certainly her song amused them. At last she struggled to be rid of me. Among the minerals she lay, silently among the, small, among the stones of sand she lay, there where the waters begin like the most elemental mammal she lay. She lay down alone, a small whale, and at the impossible poise between absolute flux and accidental suspense, the most beautiful woman in the world became my mother. But as nothing is absolute nor accidental, I only exchanged equilibria. I was not particularly born. For days I suckled on the blood of my delivery. Later she learned to ease her breasts and civilised my mouth with milk. No, I played with porpoises. No, already there is progress. So, not even then, not even when beginning. Then it is the beginning, not the stillness, that means. If I could eclipse the commencement of the moon, skip the schedule, be lunatic and always plunging, then I would evade the agony of origin nor would I suffer an initiation. I would be just an actress, automatic to an action. And that must be how easy. The streets seem mine if I merge with a motion I do not determine. The fireman slides down a pole. Yes, and a siren controls him. There are no obstacles. He attaches himself to the vehicle carrying him. He follows the rules and there are rules how to approach a fire. But this is the matter of one step. If I pretend a paralysis, am I not seeing? Am I not seeing white cranes idle tonight on the disappearing sidewalk, an empty truck tapered to a spoon that makes the sidewalk disappear, hatchet grass that punctures the pavement, careless carpentry to conceal an incomplete facade, a stairway almost destroyed? But I have reached this random excrement and already my eyes begin a building here at this place of pretended paralysis. I am not still as I stand here like a phony catatonic, Aggressively resisting, I am not, it is not important, am I an impermeable membrane? This resistance provokes the madness of enumeration. I, I am insensible to A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and the gamble of elimination, AX, BX, CX. The energy this resist resistance requires is in itself an alteration of temperature, at least, so I surrender. I surrender and I multiply. Polyblot. Sponge. Now am I leaning on a lamppost with metal leaves and a foundation of dung. Details obliterate within this light, but I become corpuscular. I am seeking the capital introduction to the very first word of my mind. I want to destroy it. I know that the very last word is not me. But I am this moment and corpuscular. I am that horizontal line, laughing at the bottom of the wall. I might be the palace protected by the wall, but I refuse protection. I am better laughing at the bottom of the wall. Within this kingdom of the wall is there a king and a palace gullible to light. Gullibility to light despite the infinite opacities of active men, opaque and infinite within this kingdom of the wall. The forced stones spread. 
The town begins to grow among the bones. My father came to sanctify my birth, to sanctify the birth of her. He came to name my mother his. He came to tame my mother and to shelter her. I am supposing. We will stabilise the sand, he said. We will contain the waters. We will close the sky. We will squeeze the wind, he said. Build me a wall. He said that. He said, we will call this construction by a holy name. The syllable almost subdued him, but he mastered his invention. Masterfully then he said, the house. My mother was his. The proud scheme of protection completely included her. And it was only after he had protected my mother from experience that he became afraid of the experience of living with her labyrinthine illusions. Soon he seldom stayed in what he called the house. At first such rumours he created strangulated us. Then my mother began to vanish. Security is not a colour. Paralysis is not an exercise. I was learning my father. My father was innocent, perhaps. He wanted me to participate in this perseveration of himself. He wanted me to pursue the circle of his escape. And so I left the house and went to walk with him to what he called the corner of the wall. In the crude culmination, there where the exploitation of silence looks like a cobweb, he taught me the way of the wall. Worship this thing, he said. Esteem this enemy of impulse. Let the wall become a sacred system for you, the fundamental lie you will believe. Outside, inside, against, beside the wall, you will hover or hide or climb or penetrate or withdraw. Whatever you choose, your deed will blunder as a dumb show on the wall. The absurd, insensible, arbitrary, obstacle qualities of the wall will annihilate your mind. In this place of the wall, you will discover no necessity to act. The immovable, the immovable of your awareness is the wall. You and what you do are optional. That is the secret, he said. That is the secret of your tragic spontaneity. Be glad you're optional, he told me. His voice was deep. His eyes were shut. But here am I. Not here. Where am I is there where I am. Here am I. Am I there where nothing is here, where nothing is now? I am not here for you and I will stay there. Now there is nothing but now, which is why I am here. Look at the cloud on the circle. I am suddenly full of light. My father said there will be shadow. I am shining shadows on the wall. And my father was only a shadow. His shadow of flesh divulged me. I was an apology of bone. Anyone is of no consequence. How am I my one? If I am, I am if in the middle of the way. The way needs neither north nor south with possibilities. Possibilities preclude a wall. The way lies between two walls. These are the ways of first and last reality. These are the ways of populous, foul, vertiginous, predatory, vicious, liquidating, lavatory truth. The way is not a transformative via, nor a road for flight from arrival, nor the rhythmic gesture of a street. The way reveals only the curb. It is an intestinal trap, a trick called labyrinthine and guttural. I am in the middle of the way. I am in the middle of a dirty line squeezed by bricks of the wall, precluding possibility. But I am, if not, if I am in the middle clearly. If I am clearly, then am I in the way of nothing. But I am not alive nor dead. I am not alive nor dead nor grey nor anything absolute, but I am black. That may mean that gamma rays or brown or turd is another word that may mean brown inside this intestinal trap. Brown may mean negro. Negro may mean nothing. I am in the middle of delusion. I am in the way of nothing, but I am in the way. My father loved the delusion he sired. The fundamental dream of my mother, her unnatural ignorance refreshed him and he surrounded her with new unnecessaries, things that do not matter and have no matter like the wall. He gave to her, he gave of himself to her, he gave gold to her, he told her stories of herself, he told her the myth of the mirror, he made her the mirror of myth, 
He said to my mother many nouns. He said face and sky and ear and emerald and eye, but then he said grass. He said she was grass. My mother wondered what she was, and so he opened the house. He gave evening to her and winter. He gave her alternative illusions. He gave her a glimpse of endless enjoyable illusion. My father opened the house with windows. I asked my father where was grass or is there more than my mother as metaphor? Around me was my mother and the wall and the words my father used to call her as a sound. I asked my father is there no grass in the house? While we live in the house, he said, there is no grass. When you have done with living in the house, then you will leave the wall. When you will stop yourself, people will carry you over the wall and bury you under the grass. Sometimes my father said, smiling to me, that sometimes people bury you under the grass near an evergreen tree. I was happy to think of the burial place and I asked my father to tell me a word for my first dream. He held me on his lap as he gave me the word for my dream. Cemetery was what he whispered in my ear. I would like to live in that cemetery of trees and grass, but he told me I must go with him, struggling for survival, until I had done with living in the house. Then I would be taken to a cemetery, and this my father called a promise. Gulls fly along a shoulder. I am baffled by your neck concealing flight. It does not do to say it, and I would not, but I cannot do. You will not let me be more than words. I wished that this word were less than I. I will to be more than this word. You will laughing let me try. For example, flight. Three million molecules and marrow, but still I will not rise and I am still. But is there that word? Desire has its sound, but is there a stillness that means? There are wings between my teeth. All my mouth consumes some cumuli fuming near my eyes, striated from the hours of a day, or garbanzo is a chickpea. Still, I am still. Touch my tongue with yours. I would swallow the limbs of your body and refuse to write down and disturb the magic of my engorgement. Let me more than words. I would be more than medium or limestone. I would be, I would be more than looking, more than knowing, more than any of these less than looking, less than knowing words. On the dirt and stone between us was my hand that lay between us like a word between my eyes. On the dirt and stones between us was my hand that lay between us like another stone. Desire has no sound. I looked the length of more than light at you away from me. Things were hanging. Rosebush made a mirror hung. Wire screws, hooks and rope were there. Rope no longer green is there in that very long room. I have heard the rope of your throat. I have heard the rope in your throat ready to squeeze me into syntax of stone. The sound of my life is a name you may not remember. I am losing the touch of the world to a word. You must have said anything to me. Okay, I'm going to read three extracts from the first chapter of Three Steps on the Ladder of Writing which is a book made of a series of lectures that were given by Helen Helen Sisu. And the first lecture, which I'm going to read from, is called The School of the Dead. Uh, the second two are called The School of Dreams and The School of Roots. So this first extract is from early on in The School of the Dead. When choosing a text, I am called... I obey the call of certain texts, or I am rejected by others. The texts that call me have different voices, but they all have one voice in common. They all have, with their differences, a certain music I am attuned to, and that's the secret. You may already know the ones whose music I hear. I have brought them with me. I will make them resound. There is Clarice the Spectre, 
whose music is dry, hard and severe, like Bernhard's. There is the more tender, melodious music of Sveteva, or the more heart-rending music of Ingeborg Bachmann. All these people frequented the same ladder. To use this ladder has a descending movement, because the ascent, which evokes effort and difficulty, is towards the bottom. I say ascent downwards, because we ordinarily believe the descent is easy. The writers I love are descenders, explorers of the lowest and deepest. Descending is deceptive. Carried out by those I love, the descent is sometimes intolerable. Descenders descend with difficulty. Sometimes they stop descending, like Kafka. Kafka says, You say I should go down further still, but I am already very deep down, and yet, if it must be so, I will stay here. What a place. It is probably the deepest place there is. But I will stay here. Only do not force me to climb down any deeper. Surviving is not what we think. For the Soviets, in their bizarre madness, during the years of darkness, sent millions of Russians to concentration camps, but, inexplicably, often let their wives survive. Anna Akhmatova, who lost a first husband, executed by firing squad, a second husband, deported then executed, and whose son was deported, had Najdietje Mandelstam for a friend, whose husband, the great poet, was deported for poetry. And then Lydia Tushovskaya's husband was deported because he was a Jewish scholar. When he was arrested, Lydia was notified of the verdict, ten years without the right to correspond. So, like hundreds of women, she lined up with parcels in front of the prison walls, until the day she learned that ten years without the right to correspond was a metaphor for immediate execution. For several years she had been carrying inside herself a living dead man, alive within her, decomposing outside her. We need those who are condemned to death, and we need books that condemn us. Here is what Kafka wrote in 1904 to his friend Pollack. I think we ought to only read the kinds of books that wound and stab us. If the book we are reading doesn't wake us up with a blow on the head, what are we reading it for? So that it will make us happy, as you write? Good Lord, we would be happy precisely if we had no books, and the kind of books that make us happy are the kind we could write ourselves if we had to. But we need the books that affect us like a disaster, that grieve us deeply, like the death of someone we loved more than ourselves, like being banished into forests far from everyone, like a suicide. A book must be the axe for the frozen sea inside us. That is my belief. He wrote this letter because his friend had reproached him for not having answered his letters. Kafka answers him by saying, excuse me, but I was reading. The book was so important I couldn't stop. Always the same violent relationship, the book first, then you. I too believe we should only read those books that wound us and stab us and wake us up with a blow on the head or strike us like terrible events, that do and don't do us good, that don't do us good in doing us good. A book, like the death of someone we loved more than ourselves, or that is like being banished into forests far from everyone, or books that are like a suicide, or, as he says at the end, a book must be the axe for the frozen sea inside us. So we just heard Fragments from a Parable by June Jordan, read by Gloria, and I read some bits from Three Steps on the Ladder of Writing by Helen Suzu. Uh, I'll begin by asking you, mm-hmm. 
a little bit about how you came across June Jordan mm. and what sort of work she makes. Mm-hmm. If you search for June Jordan's work online, you find a very particular uh, form of her poetry, a very particular kind of poetry that she wrote um, sort of throughout her career. But they're, they're sort of strong political poems, they're strong like poems that respond to events. They're quite rhetorical. Yeah, they're quite rhetorical. They're declamatory. They're often quite narrative. They're often quite short. Um, and they concern uh, the light, her life as a as a black woman, uh, but also the light that like questions of like race and identity in America. She was mainly writing in the nineteen um, seventies and eighties. And she died um, quite young, um, in her fifties. Um, and she was a she was a very I think she was a very interesting writer because she she bridged the she bridged the worlds of being very much like a public artist and a public poet, and also being an essayist, and also being um, somebody who's quite involved in movement politics in organizing and also involved in kind of experiments with language and the poem the fragments from a parable i think is is um not atypical but it's quite unusual of her work and it's also at the front of a book that has other poems which are very in tone and style very very different so the poem that just follows it is called on the murder of two human being black men denver a smith and his unidentified brother Southern University Baton Rouge, Louisiana, nineteen seventy-two. Yeah. Um, and the first line is, "What you have to realize is about private property." It's a lot more declamatory, I feel, and it's about a particular incident. And it's like, mm. I could imagine that poem maybe being read to a crowd. Yeah, yeah. She she did, know, she did used to read her poetry in public in that way. Whereas fragments from a parable, mm. more reflective maybe it's not a poem that should be read out at all I think it's not a declamatory poem it's actually quite hard to read I find it quite hard to read Um, and the reason I read it is because I think it should be more widely read and I think her work should be more widely read and I want to bring to the front this kind of uh, more experimental psychological exploratory June Jordan that isn't um, it doesn't really lend itself, I think, to like biograph, particularly like a biographical reading. I mean, I'm sure there are things about Jordan in this life, in this poem, but it feels at once personal and extremely, um, extremely something else that's being made out of language in this poem. June Jordan is is, is someone whose whose work is a, as so much great work is is a, a perfect kind of rejection of the the question: is this political or the binary between? Mm. Uh, art and, and politics mm. um, I thought about James Baldwin when I wrote a few notes just now about mm. it having read it my, to myself after you read it um, and something about being born on the battlefield she says I was not particularly born mm, mm. and then she goes on to talk about um, various sort of shaping moments mm. in terms of her parents who her parents were mm. Yeah, my my father was a macro sperm of lust for that woman painfully asleep on the battlefield. Mm, mm. This lust, this loving uncertainty seized 300 soldiers who paused at her silence as she lay. They made their rabid inquiry and left her. Yeah. This thing about the 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 conception and the lo- and the sort of form of love that comes out of this is like also rape. 
and it's like that so it's like it's like yeah it's war it's war and rape happen very briefly and suddenly in that paragraph and then mm. are just just fleshed out they're not they're not then sort of returned to this is quite um, devastating the way that's kind of put there and yeah then, yeah and then it's it's really pushed past yeah it's it's and it and it moves around in time a lot this poem it's sort of it, it does this narrative for it days starts, i suckled on the blood of my delivery yeah it's, i mean that's pretty yeah it's 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 visceral and it's um there's this kind of equivalency between blood and milk which is kind mm. of um interesting but then you know the fact it moves into the present tense as if i could be this i could be this you know i should be this now i am leaning on a lamppost and then she and then again the narrator goes back into this poem and sits and talks about the father again in the context of the house and then these kind of strange symbols the house the wall the the um the grass and the kind of and then and then that kind of then there's a kind of switch back again and then we go back and then the that kind of that uh that landscape kind of is partly where the poem ends but then there's also a kind of so it really it really resists um it doesn't let you settle into it this this piece i think and that's the that's the part of the rupture so it's not just speaking about rupture this poem it's like performing these ruptures yeah. and these like distances and these um uh, and then these questions that recur in it like you know where is the stillness that means I think this is, I think, uh, there's something about Jordan that's just this, she says some very, very simple things. She makes very narrative, short narrative proposals. And then something will come out of that, of the poem, like, where is the stillness that means? Mm. And it seems to be, in other poetry, that that seems to, that those kind of weird abstract questions some often don't fit. But in Jordan, it always seems completely coherent mm. to the kind of extremely, um, uh, supposedly, like, superficially simple things she's saying about about being alive about being a person and there's also like a, a polyvalency of like different vocabularies happening i think she's drawing on kind of biblical language here um she's she's making sort of modernist uh proposals like just clashing abstract nouns with adjectives all the time like security is not a color for example i mean like the, the kind of things just kind of Sorry. burst into the poems like little fireworks so you're never comfortable in a particular register there's also the wall mm. which is a recurring idea yeah, yeah, yeah he taught me the way of the wall and then mm. um and then later outside inside against beside the wall yeah you will hover or hide or climb or penetrate or yeah. withdraw but if you choose your deed, will blunder as a dumb show on the wall, and, yeah. then, and the wall, the wall there is in capitals. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I I can't help but obviously think about uh, Trump's proposed wall on the border with Mexico mm. Um, mm. as a sort of as a sort of a, a sort of ultimate ultimate representation of this idea of of how one is defined by uh, a border and. Mm. I guess that phrase, mm. you know, we didn't cross the border, the border crossed us, mm. and the way in which are sort of structures and, and oppre structures mm. of oppression and inequality um, force you to force your actions into a particular definition, yeah. which I think is something that she talks about very kind of beautifully here, mm, mm. in a way that sort of in the other poems, it's a, the way that she talks about these things is a lot more. Um, it's a lot, a lot sort of harsher mm. in that, like it's sort of like it's a more specific, a specific incidents she refers to, and she talks about how people are told 
how to talk about things, told mm. how to behave, told yeah. how to feel. Yeah. Whereas in this poem, it's longer, so she has more space to sort of use motif and repeat things like the wall and then mm. kind of mm. and sort of speak more abstractly. Mm. I think with longer pieces, it's easier to speak more more abstractly, maybe. Yeah, because you can always go into the non-abstract and then come out of it again, and I think that's what she does. Um, yeah, she doesn't leave the wall alone for, for several pages, and it's never the same thing twice, um, which is, you know, it's, it's a, that's, a, that's, a pos- that's a possibility of poetic language. I mean, I've, I've been reading this book recently by Kristen Ross about um, Rambeau and the Paris Commune, and Ross makes this point that, you know, for, 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 for Rambeau, there's, you know, he, he quite frequently calls things multiple names, in succession which Jordan does also in this poem and also elsewhere mm. and it's a way of saying these that things can always be other is like this constant assertion of poetry I think and also in the context of Rambeau and actually I think also in the context of Jordan who is very much an activist she was committed you know she was a committed and applied um, member of a number of struggles is to say that you know these words are like these words are tools these words are like bricks so when yeah. she's building this wall in this poem there are so many things that she calls it mm. and and you know ross calls this like a bricolage like a kind of you know assemblage mm. um that's happening in the context of like the revolution of 1871 um, mm-hmm. which in which rambo you know probably at least peripherally participated and y- you have this sense of like so Ross says something interesting about parataxis. It's like you know lo- lines of lists, you know. So mm. like um, it outside, inside, against, beside, penetrate, you know, whatever, penetrate, obscene, over, over, blah blah blah. Mm. Like you mm. know, these are the ways of first and last reality. These are the yeah. ways of populist value. Yeah, populist foul, vicious, predatory, vicious, liquidating, lavatory truth. So for for Ross for for Rambo, for Rambo, those lists are like ways of 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 building a defense okay. like a building a like uh, you know building a barricade basically she says and i think it's not actually overly a stretch and, and just linguistically or you mean like what does that barricade do well i think it i think it i think it is it's like the it's the pe- it's the place in which the poem can be found mm-hmm. and it's the place in which we we can, we can to yeah on. we can we can rest i mean the, the ross makes the point that the barricades in the paris commune weren't places for people to be safe but rather they were places that to pelt the french army from yes so they were like they were places of like attack rather than, yeah and i yeah I'm, i mean i'm saying this only i'm making this because i'm thinking about how, how to use poetic form and also because like you know jordan's writing this in 1974 hmm. this is an extremely vicious violent disputatious and unsettled time in america mm-hmm. that she's writing this poem and and her work so strongly even her love poetry, which of which she writes a great deal, especially towards the end of her life, um, resonates with like a, a nation that is in turmoil. If you can yeah. use that kind of very cliched way of talking about things, that's true. And obviously, I'm interested in that because I feel like we are also in an increasingly turbulent kind of situation. I so would agree. this work speaks to me from that point. But I think this is also like a very psychological. It's a very personal poem, and it it yeah, like I said, it kind of resists. It was this categorization, and in the end, it gives itself to you in a in a in a way which I I never would have imagined when I started reading the poem, mm-hmm. which is you know I've heard the rope of your throat, I've heard the rope in your throat, ready to squeeze me into the syntax of stone. 
The sound of my life is a name you may not remember. I'm losing the touch of the world to a word. You must have said anything to me. And it's 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 such a kind of um it's such a kind of tender and ambiguous kind of ending. Not at the beginning of the stanza, but at the end, you know. It's yeah, almost I mean, like an anti-ending. The rope of your throat is... Uh, I mean, it's quite sort of... Like, intimate. Mm, yes. But also, like, you think of rope and you think of, yeah. of hanging and, yeah. like... Yeah, yeah. Um, Things were hanging. Rosebush made and mirror hung. Yeah, we move from the from the hanging to the rope of the throat. The extract I read from Ellen Sizu's three steps on the ladder of writing without fail this this extract about descending it captivates mm. i think any artist who is mm. who is really still reconciling themselves and i think we are all still recogni- reconciling ourselves with the fact that what we are most engaged in making work about is precisely the same thing as what we are most engaged in and and that's like quite a disturbing thing very often that when we're sort of really troubled by something really mm. trying to figure something out in mm. our heads um, that's not exactly a sort of a side product no. of making work it's actually pretty much central um, but also when something's troubling you 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 always are you always are engineering devices to not be engaged in it right yeah so not be inside it I think that's partly where the difficulty of the descent comes from. Because <clears throat> on the first podcast, we talked a lot about um, confession, and I used the phrase vaccination about sort of how an artist will, will essentially, in the same way that a self help book tells you, you know, don't try and be happy, but try and understand <laughs> what's making you not happy and, and say, okay, that's an anxious thought, that's yeah. a thought that I'm having rather than acceptance. Exactly, rather, rather than, than being that thought. Mm. Um, and how to, as Laura Anderson says, how to uh, feel sad without being sad, <laughs> uh, which is smart stuff. But uh, but there's a tension between the, the, the vaccination where you, you put something onto a t-shirt or mm. onto, a, um, onto the page or onto a film. And it's somehow like by sharing it out there, you know, you, you kind of don't necessarily attach so much to it. Mm. But within that process, and this is what Helen Sezu talks about within that process of like, getting it out there is like a, a an internal digging and a sort of you know at the mm. moment where i'm at with this uh, project i'm doing about emotional labor i am constantly coming up against tensions and difficulties and dilemmas which completely reflect that some of the most difficult and painful things mm. that i've experienced and thought about and 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 when i'm having quite intense chats with people i feel close to about these things mm. Uh, it's absolutely no coincidence that that these are sort of um, issues that are extremely pertinent to the artwork I'm making. Mm. We all exist in various forms of denial, and <laughs> I, I I come back to mm. this this idea of self-actualization, mm. the possibility of basically being uh, consistent and true to yourself. Mm. in in as many interact in as many of your daily interactions as possible so not not to to have a kind of uh, obviously we, we relate differently to different people uh, mm. as opposed you know in relation to histories that we have with people but fundamentally um 
to ref- to reflect the same principles, the same corporate principles mm. uh, and desires, and be true to those desires in every context that you find yourself in is uh, is very important. And mm. for an artist, if you're really serious about um, about finding the, the 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 what you what you the, uh, grasping onto a truth that you you mm. see somewhere, and mm. I do believe in, in 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 truth as a central part of art making. Uh, what that involves is 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 actualizing yourself, beginning mm. beginning with transforming yourself, mm. and that's what I feel. Uh, Ellen says you right from the start. She's completely unapologetic about the fact that this this involves, um, mm. as she says, a book must be the axe for the frozen sea inside mm. us. I mean that resonated with me hugely, mm. and I shared it with a few few of my friends who mm. are writers, and they they did too. That's really something I often ask people like about their work. Are you like are you trying to liberate people through this? Mm. And your contention is that to have an axe inside you to break the ice inside you is also is always liberating. Because I'm not so sure about this. Um, okay, yeah, I am. I am yeah. sure about that. But because, please tell me. Well, no, because she, I, I we, we, there's a little, there's a little part of me which I'm, I'm trying to investigate through this, through this. Um, this assertion which which Suzu and Kafka both make here, which is that there's a reason why most people don't go to art for these kinds of experiences. That, that a lot of people want to be consoled and held and recognised in a way that doesn't hurt and disrupt them. Now that may be uh, not possible, but it, I mean, it's clearly what's happening. Like when people are reading Chicklet, right, or whatever, or watching a, a Hollywood film, yeah. they're not going to that to be broken open. And I think that um, a little, part, a small part. Although I'm, I, I am captivated by this passage as well because it, it, it increasingly is how I want to make work and what I want my writing to, 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 to be or to do or to possibly enact. Um, and all those things are slightly different. Like that, I recognise that there are other needs by which somebody, for example, will pick up a book. And Suzu is so wonderful in, in, in other p- parts of this section about, about what it is to read a book mm. and, what, and, you know, that it's a, an escape from the world. And for me, it's like I'd, I'd really like to think more about this and, and read the whole book, but the kind of what relationship there is in that tension between, like, this, this, this book, which is your re- both in the writing and in the reading is a removal of yourself from the world mm-hmm. and a secret sort of almost like a secret transaction that happens yeah. or a private transaction that happens and this splitting this opening this 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 rending which uh, which Kafka so vividly describes which you know uh, Sisu asserts is both rare and also necessary I think also I just want to briefly give a shout out to the ways in which uh maybe more mainstream art can also help us find parts of ourselves but Mm. maybe parts of ourselves that are uh, perhaps easier I mean any music that you feel moved to dance to Mm. or moved to tears by Mm -hmm. it's hard for laughter not to be spontaneous Mm. usually when laughter is good it it comes of a um, you don't have to think to produce it you don't have to think to produce it and therefore if something makes you laugh Mm. and you feel totally relaxed in that laughter mm. which by definition you kind of do unless you're kind of pretending to laugh which is a bit weird um, <laughs> it happens a lot yeah <laughs> and then what's happening is that that something is something is communicating with, with, with something very deep inside you so I always mm. find that 
the humor and I, I think I said this on podcast number one mm. the humor I'm interested in is the humor which kind of tells me something it's funny because it's true it tells me something yeah. quite difficult maybe and it allows me to sort of um, acknowledge that and kind of mm. and, and, and acknowledge mm. an absurdity in life mm. and sort mm. of and kind of come face to face with it through a sort of a joy yeah and if it's funny because it's true it, that means it's it, it yeah it, it, it tells you something that you know already but it reminds you that you know that or it articulates it in a way that you hadn't come across before. It tells me something that I've sort of maybe suspected. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. There's a sense yeah, of yeah, suspicion yeah. with it. I don't yeah. think I... It doesn't tell... No. I have a very broad definition of like, knowing. I, knowing includes, like, things that you don't know you know. Like the, 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 <laughs> the, the you know, the, the, the trains would be cheaper and, and more efficient if they were nationalised is something that I... <laughs> Daily struggle. Something I basically know. Daily struggle. I, I mean, that's that's being told something you know. Uh huh. But I think stuff to do with, uh, I don't know, like stuff to do with anxiety yeah. or, or, or sort of the way love. that we, the way love or the way that we internalize uh, structures of oppression. I mean, that mm. stuff you 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 only get a glimpse of. Mm. You get glimpses of that, and you sort of into and you sort of feel pain. Mm. But having your pain. Uh, understood or defined is extremely liberating mm. but some people will I agree with you some mm. people the form of escape that they're having through mm. art is a different kind of mm. it's not really a descent exactly mm. but I think pop music that you can dance to and, mm. and, and sort of enjoy the attitude of mm. has has that, that value in connecting you to mm. other people and to yourself and to, to your own way of defining yourself I think that's why kind of people who make that kind of music have such a often speak so much about self-belief and mm. about being true to yourself mm. because that music allows people to um, to be in themselves mm. in, in a way that I think you know that's that's definitely a glimpse of, of self-actualization I want to ask a bit about um Sisu's kind of discussion of like the origins of writing and the origins of writing being in death. Yeah. Um, the extract that you read uh, was about the, the, the women who'd, who'd, who'd lost those who were so close to them that they were part of them. Yeah. And you were very perturbed by a particular phrase in that section. Yeah. Um, which was uh, 10 years without the right to correspond. And was a metaphor immediate was a metaphor for, for immediate, immediate execution. execution yeah an actual you know an actual metaphor used by the state I guess I want to bring up the subject of death because we haven't really talked about it mm. um, and I think it's I- in immensely present in in the Jordan poem as well and I think uh, like I think that uh, Sisu makes this really extraordinary claim in this book that like that writing begins from death yeah um and that she has this wonderful way of talking about it those like fresh fresh young death living death <laughs> the death that the death that you immediately connect you most immediately connect with and perhaps first connect with um but i'm i'm really fascinated by this this thing she says about about the um it isn't by accident that we find in our memories the cemetery in front of the school once again the first experience the first apprenticeship is the school with a cemetery 
I mean that that's typical Beautiful. of the kind of a oh. that's the typical of the kind of like exactly what you were talking about. You were saying her piece was poetic, which I wanted to push you a little bit on, but like she makes these she makes these very that seem to be very clear and unequivocal utterances, and then yeah. you're like, what does that mean? And then she reformulates it in another way and says, you know, Kafka lived next to a school, and then suddenly <laughs> there's something about the butcher shop, you know, and it's like yeah. that all these things are being pieced together, not in the like. form of a classical rhetorical argument, mm. but that she's moving between these images and drawing something out and then making these assertions, um, you know, and she says, you know, she said almost every sentence in this pa- in this section is is a is an unequivocal assertion and i'm 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 captivated by the fact she makes that and that she's making these assertions about death but they're also about writing i mean i think that that's something that i find so inspiring about this piece particularly mm. as so many artists are just so goddamn anxious it's really <laughs> beautiful to just read a piece mm. where and i'm not i'm sure helen says probably does experience anxiety mm. who doesn't but i mean you know, to have her write this deeply kind of, uh, re- like, deeply sort of certain mm-hmm. commanding mm-hmm. Uh, definition of, yeah. of, of what we're dealing with. Yeah. I, I, you know, we sh- we I definitely believe in questioning, but, I mean, in order to have questioning, you have to have something concrete to question. Yeah. Um, and I actually just now thought of, of, of Ken Loach's mm. uh, bit of propaganda for the Labour Party during the recent snap election, mm. which mm. concludes with John McDonnell uh, saying our life is short or something about yeah. life being short and, yeah. and then he says everyone has the deserve has the chance to deserves the chance to, to, to make the most of um, of the life that they have of the life that they have mm. that's a political statement about the kind of circumstances that it, we exist in but, but it's it struck also me very much that he mentioned mortality yes that, that's, that's absolutely almost taboo in political discourse yeah except in like a statistical way of talking about like we don't health. talk about death in yeah, politics yeah, yeah. and I think yeah. actually the most powerful political movements have done mm. I mean ACT UP death. is like a very yeah I, I immediately think of ACT UP silence equals when death when one talks about that um, but I mean, I you but know, in Black Lives Matter also yeah, absolutely yeah. is about death. But there, uh, and then in, in in Jordan, you know, I'm just I'm just getting the poem back. There's this promise. There's this promise of death. Or there's this promise of like, of 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 like a, of rest, which is extraordinary. You know, um, wh- while we live in the house, he said there is no grass. When you have done with living in the house, then when you leave the wall, when you stop yourself people carry you over the wall and bury you under the grass sometimes my father said smiling at me sometimes people bury you under the grass near an evergreen tree i was happy to think of the burial place and i asked my father to tell me a word for my first dream he held me on his lap as he gave me the word for my dream cemetery was what he whispered in my ear and the, isn't it appropriate the, we're reading these things together yeah it's just extraordinary and not, not you and I, it's you know we, you know we didn't plan these texts to go together mm. um but the, but that seems to me the moment where they really touch each mm. other and it's not just to do with um the mentioning of the cemetery and uh, but the, although i think that, you know I'm, I'm when Sisu says that about the, <laughs> the school and the cemetery my my whole brain lit up but mm. but, but it's because uh, there's this um this passage to speaking about mm. death, which is uh, non-linear and yet so absolutely given, <laughs> you know. Yes. And and what Zizou does is she says, okay, let's go right back to the start. It, she almost says, I almost th- 
I don't know how to say this. She says, let's go back to the start. The start is death. Yes. And you think, hang on a minute, like, <laughs> I, I, there's another, there's an antonym there. You're like, I thought we were going to talk about birth, right? We're going to talk about Genesis. <laughs> She's like, no, descent and death. Yeah. You know? And, and I think this about, when I think about Greek tragedy, I always think about this, like, that the Greeks were right down there with mm. the dead the whole time. And that's one of the things that makes that work extraordinary. And actually a lot of work that comes out, even today, mm. that comes out of societies where there is a, a keener feeling of mortality and I don't want to fesh- I don't want to orientalize them but like because you could also be living in that society when you're for example living with someone who is dying in your house you're living in a society of mm. increased um, awareness of mortality that you produce the work that you produce is close to death as well and, and close to understanding and loving it one of oh, our favorite can be. one of our favorite poems and a poem that everyone should read Judy Grant a woman is talking to death yeah big up amazing um, poem definitely online as a pdf yes it is um also written uh, practically the same year as this poem actually oh really it's 1972 something in the year yeah in america yeah in american feminist poetry i think as well um so also just the concrete imagery the the, the, the sort of like i mean I, there was a cemetery not very far at all away from my secondary school mm. uh and you know you do you're in a space of learning you're in a space of growth and mm. you and i was fixated by the mm. cemetery you mm. know and I, we, we never went in but you look mm. at it for a long mm. time when you're walking past it Jeffrey Hill yeah. has an immensely good um, answer to a question in an interview by the Paris Review he's asked some very general question about what, what society should do and what yeah. artists should do and, and, <laughs> and he says you know we need to you know we need to listen to the dead we need to yeah. learn from the mistakes of the dead and we need to learn from the criminality of the dead yeah. he says a lot of other sentence participles that include the word the dead I've often conceived of art as having a ne- like an idea of bearing witness and bearing mm. and sort of there's something that the dead people who have mm. died people who are simply not present in our mm. version of reality mm. um, have learnt things and have a certain wisdom and a certain absence mm. from us that we are as artists trying to grasp onto mm. I think it's I think maybe we're going we're stringing along too many massive concepts here but I think like I th- for, for me for me a huge amount of existence is about um is about loss mm-hmm. and i think sizu is also talking about she talks explicitly about loss in this chapter as well um that that we are she's and this maybe links to criminality she says something like uh that when we're left behind by the dead when somebody mm. dies and leaves us as it were that we feel in some way like culpable or mm. guilty so it's interesting to me that Hill talks about the criminality of the dead because I haven't quite thought about it in that context. It seems to me more that that um, that uh, that often often when one experiences loss and loss through death, especially that there's a kind of guilt, mm. which is something to do with owing something. And uh, and again, Hill talks about like owing something to the dead. And I think he's and I think he's very right. I think if I may make another jump, that one of the things that I do truly feel uh, about owing something to the dead is that um, it's an immeasurable debt which can never be paid which is something to do with the fact and I and I do talk about this often but I find it really difficult to talk about is that like you know people people um, people are criminalized before they're born Mm. and people are killed for the crime of migration Mm -hmm. and that is constantly happening um very ne- very close to us um and 
to me to me to me those people are often near and to me those people are asking something of me which is not simply um what we might just describe as political action although i do try and take political action but also like as you say a kind of witness and a kind of um a kind of just a, a kind of like a persistence of 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 naming those people and 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 and, and i don't necessarily know their names but to, to say that they existed yeah and to and to and to not and to know and to know and this is the loss to know that they can't be called back a but, huge project you know. in, in things like black lives matter and in the the yarswood demonstrations yeah. um and other detention centers and other yeah. detention centers and and yeah and as previously mentioned act up is about naming the dead mm. and naming um and forms of i mean yeah we can go into antigone we can go into mm, kind of all mm. kinds of ways in which uh the state manages death what i've experienced from 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 thinking feeling being like in those places in yarlswood is that like um that when the dead are called upon it is with the vigorous attitude of life like it is with the kind yeah. of like insistence that um that that and that's what black lives matter also means i mean black lives matter does talk a great deal about death but it but it but it n- talks about life yeah it yes exactly and, and i think in a different way from something like act up i mean i don't want to go on a huge tangent about how these movements mm, um, no, they have slightly different pos- positions positioned with themselves with death but i think you know Death has a slightly different function in a in a in a social movement where um, the preventability of the death mm. and the availability of the life are both are both different in different contexts, and that that shapes the movement that that arises. Can I read an extract mm. um, from the School of the Dead mm. by Helen Sizu? Approaching the place where we will expose the crime that is part of our soul is difficult. We want to know the taste of a vowel, which is joyful, yet at the same time we come into contact with something we are afraid of, hatred. We who are as full of hatred as we are of love, since hatred is a part of love, we who want to throw up the substance of hatred, but to know at the same time what love is made of. And then later on in a section called Towards the Last Hour, she says, How can we keep our mixture of innocence and crime sufficiently alive and open to live and write? How can we proceed to the burning point, reach that last hour, when we'll be able to write or say everything we have never dared say out of love or, and cowardice. What would happen if we were able to reach this hour of grace is that we would perhaps be able to say what we never said, dying without having done so. That's what death is. Why do we desire to die so much? Because we desire to say so much. Why do we desire to attain this mysterious moment? Because we desire to live as we have never lived, totally nude. At this moment, if we have worked on the way, because it's an enormous task to belie and unlie, we might say everything that, out of love and cowardice, out of love as cowardice, we would never have said. Everything we could never have said, but have read, since at least it's written. We have shivered reading tales of crime. It's us, though under an assumed name, under a pseudonym, which is why we don't recognise ourselves or flee the texts that know us. And then she talks about cemeteries for a bit longer. <laughs> but... Uh, why we don't recognise ourselves or flee the texts that know us. Mm. Um, mm. I've seen... I think I've seen people flee texts that know them. There's something Fassbender does mm. in his work continually where he kind of shows the structures 
that that cause us to harm each other mm-hmm. um, and and Fassbender has never been interested in kind of exonerating mm-hmm. anyone mm-hmm. or moralizing or moralizing um, and uh, to me it seems very clear that he believes passionately in a much better world and yeah in his personal life I don't believe he did a great deal to uh, to bring it about and I think everything everything that he did in his work was was an attempt to sort of recognize himself mm. and critique himself I often find myself when I make work uh, when I make work about emotional labor I'm often criticizing ideas I have about emotional labor or expectations or sort of mm. preconceptions and I the, some of the art I find most interesting at the moment is art that operates around mm. a very nuanced critique of, of the of oneself mm. um but I think looking at one's flaws and looking at the at, at one's love coming from a place that is mm. related to to hatred um, is a way to understand our own morality. Mm. And I mm. think uh, art that I'm interested in is mm. definitely looking at uh, placing oneself in a morality. This seems to me like a piece that is absolutely um, stuffed with ethics, and yet and is an ethics of writing, in fact. But um, but 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 never ever 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 underestimates what writing can be yes. and i think that's why it's meaningful even i mean i i really really want you know i can't wait to read the whole text hopefully like very slowly but i just wanted to quickly ask you because i don't think you think of yourself particularly as a writer and you tend not to produce as your final work that you yeah. show to the world writing you, you work in in, in moving image and 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 you know and mm-hmm. is this a text about actually more generally about making art yeah everything that i'm getting out of it is something i feel that could be applied to directing a film mm-hmm. so you're not I, you're not getting hung up on you're not particularly no, getting hung up on the fact that the, the orientation of this is literally. i mean i read clarissa specter i read kathy acker you know i was on a residency recently with everyone there would had a writing yeah. practice yeah i probably was the least writerly of yeah. the people there yeah. and we were being taught by chris kraus who's mm. predominantly known as a writer and also as a publisher mm. so it's a writing there's a lot of talk about writing and i i've been reading a lot more recently than i i i uh, have hitherto done yeah writing has a sort of substance to it that i find very powerful to draw on and a mm. lot of my work begins with writing and then mm. ends with something else mm, 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 so mm. writing is always going to be a part of mm, part mm, of how mm, i mm. how i yeah. do things but i don't call yeah. myself a writer currently yeah. i think i think so i think that because of that i think i read this text differently or already because it, it i don't know I, mm. I, we'll talk about it when we both because it relates the, the way thing. your pen hits the page i think so yeah and i think there might be some i think some things of it will strike you more than me and some things will strike me more yeah no i just i think it's very interesting um so we've been talking about um, three, steps. three steps on the ladder of writing by Ellen Sizu, and it's extracted from her lectures, lectures that she gave at the University of California, Irvine, in 1990, and then also fragments from a parable by Jean Jordan, which was published in a collection of hers in 1974. Um, it is possible to find both these online as PDFs very easily, so I would encourage you also so to do. Big up the PDF gang. Um, thank you so much for listening we've been uh, Gloria Dawson and Ralph Pritchard and this was an episode of Gone Clear being broadcast through Mixcloud 
and on iTunes, but it is also uh, being broadcast as part of co-broadcasts, 24-hour broadcast, uh, as part of Supernormal Festival, which we're very proud to be part of. We hope that everyone who's listening is enjoying the festival or enjoying the documentation of the festival. Or being ripped apart by it and having the ice within them broken. Yeah, I'd recommend... Get your ice broken here. Thanks for listening. Bye.